Welcome to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast with Steve Gordon. Welcome to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gordon, and we got a great interview for you today. Uh, I'm talking with Lori Michelle Levitt, and she is known as the pivot catalyst for organizations that are well beyond the startup phase. She's the author of The Pivot, Orchestrating Extraordinary Business Momentum, and she's currently working on her next book, Pivot to Clarity. We're going to be talking about a whole range of stuff, and um, we just had a little chat before we turned the recorder on. There's a ton coming your way, so hang on. we got a lot coming, and uh, I know you're going to get a ton of value out of it. So, uh, Lori, welcome to the Unstoppable CEO. I'm really excited that you're here. Thanks, Steve. I'm happy to be here. So before we dive into all the great things that you're doing, tell me a little bit and tell everybody that's listening a little bit about your background, how, did, how you got to the stage of your career. Uh, sure, happy to. Uh, well, as a person, I'm wired, and I think it's really important for someone to be fulfilled in the work that they do to know who they are. So as a person, I am both creative and disciplined. And I talk about this in my, my book, The Pivot, about organization needing to be both focused and nimble. So it's a similar thing. And it's amazing how, how you're wired um, creates your journey. So everything that I've done, I ended up um, majoring in accounting, of all things, with a lot of focus on econ. And I'm a very, again, curious person. So back when I graduated, I became an analyst. Now, did I care for accounting? No. But as an analyst, I could be the person that supported decisions for the executives and worked throughout the entire organization to really understand what's happening from others' point of view and make sense of it all. And that was fun, but it also served me very well. And I've basically been doing that all my life. Every single role I have is supporting decisions, whether it's in the books that I write, um, in the leadership peer business and peer groups that I run, in the programs, consulting and coaching that I do. It's really all about um, making choices and decisions for oneself. You know, it, getting that to that level of sort of understanding of yourself is, um, I think it's sometimes challenging. You know, I, I probably did not have that at an earlier stage of my career. And, and uh, looking back, that caused a, a lot of uh, spinning of wheels and, and confusion and going in the wrong direction. Uh, is that something that you think um, most people have? Or is there a point at where we sort of just acquire it through experience? How have you experienced getting that to that level of clarity? And, and let's go back to those words I use, and I'm going to use the ones in the book, focused and nimble. What I'm talking about is not a straight line. Now, knowing yourself helps, helps you get through those tough times when it's feeling like you might be on the right track, or it's just you're, you're uncomfortable. Now, many, I think, people on the line will be entrepreneurs or, or, or wired as entrepreneurs, and they know what that resistance feels like. And if they've been doing it long enough, they know that if the end of that journey is important enough to them that they can get through it. Others may be you know, new to that journey. You know, our kids, we can help them understand, hey, if you know, if you're feeling true to yourself with what you're doing, then don't listen to the naysayers and keep going, and it's going to there might be some tough times. So no, it's not a straight line, but that 
that purposefulness about it helps you get through anything and helps you decide when you are on the track that fits you and what's when it's not what fits you, if that makes sense. No, it does. It's almost like you create your own sort of North Star to kind of continue to to follow that even as the reality on the ground is causing you to zig, zigzag back and forth to get there. Yes. And you can also check in with it. So um, I know that, you know, you like to hear what people, you know, some, some problems, some setbacks people had. Mine was other people. I grew up in a very mm, trusting family, respect, all great traits. And they bit me as an entrepreneur and, and, and bit me in that not, that, not that they're not good traits. You cannot be a good coach if you're someone who doesn't trust first. You just can't. But uh, you have to, as a leader, you have to know where your, I don't know, weak spots might be, where in discernment, for example, and, and fill, them, um, fill them somehow. Yeah, you know, um, in just in reflecting on um, not only my own journey, but I talk to entrepreneurs all the time. I feel like ha- half of our job is is marketing, and the other half is is uh, counseling for for entrepreneurs, right? Because oftentimes the marketing is at that intersection of of uh, how they're going to represent themselves in the world, which is all wrapped up in, in, you know, mindset and things. And, um, I, you know, I, I think there's, there, there's really a lot to that. Um, you know, the, the idea that, that, uh, um, you know, you're, you've got sort of the way that you kind of came out and you've got these traits and all of that, but I don't always, they don't always add up and, and serve you in the way that, that you think they would. I, and I would imagine um, as you've dealt with that, that that had to be challenging as you, as you went through, there had to be some times where people kind of saw the opportunity and took advantage, or you were a little maybe too trusting um, and, and, uh, and paid the price. Uh, all of it. One trusting uh, to uh, a woman, uh, three, uh, Single, all, all the things that you hear can be trouble in, in, in doing your own thing and leading your business and following your goals, I, I might have got hit with. But these are all, all gifts. And, and if, you're, if you're feeling that you're getting hit by something, if something's, quote, always happening to you, well, guess what? The theme in all of that is you. And, and this is why one of the reasons why I love running peer groups is that everyone grows as people as well to, to be in a group and to have people around you that you truly can trust and you can be safe and can point out your blind spots is so powerful. In my case, early on, I didn't have that. And so it took a while for me to recognize where my blind spots were. I can easily tell you right now, was I too trusting? Well, I don't think someone could be too trusting, but I was letting my discernment down. I was letting others make decisions for me, even though I'm this high paid decision support person. What, what, what's going on with that? Right? 
so so you have to step back and and be willing to look at yourself and and see the themes in your life and and pivot make some changes which i did i um, i actually had to entirely i was already 50 years old when i had to entirely shift not had to but chose to entirely shift my circle who i was keeping close to me and i'll tell you it's made a huge difference in how i feel every day yeah i can imagine i interesting i i always like to listen to the language that people use and uh, you just corrected yourself and instead of saying had to you said chose to um and and that's whenever i hear someone do that that's usually an indication to me that here here's somebody who is is very intentional about the way that they think and and the decisions that they make and not everyone is um but you can hear it in in these little things so it's very interesting and um and i think that in and of itself is a lesson you know so i, I always like to listen to when we have guests on uh, i'm listening for the lessons that you're saying but maybe other people wouldn't hear um, and i think that's an important one um i, I want to talk a little bit about the this idea of peer groups mm-hmm. uh, I, we both are are believers in them and for i think for entrepreneurs who are are you know facing all the challenges that go into building a business there's there's sort of this value within a peer group that i you know i don't think you can get in really any other format um and i know you've you've run them in the past for a long time you're running them now both locally and and virtually and you've been a member of of them. So t- tell me a little bit about because you've got that unique perspective. Tell us a little bit about the value you see in these peer groups. And even if there's not a formal group, it's about connections. I just I can't um, when I run into people who don't get or don't understand the value of just connecting with a person. I it, it depends on you know are they worth it? <laughs> you know are they worth my time? But if they they are just giving them that gift of of connecting with others in a way other than superficial is 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 so rewarding. So whether it's a formal peer group I I run or if I'm just connecting people, getting them with someone who can be safe and help them grow and and it usually helps both both of them. So in a peer group, one one reason I do them is one it's not about me. So I can coach someone, I can be a consultant to someone. And the difference is when I'm consulting, I am the person who is um, helping to model the way, providing guidance. Um, People don't know what they don't know. So so filling in that gap. When I'm coaching, I'm working through them so that they're the ones taking the action. So as a consultant, I found that when I worked with leaders um, and it wasn't sustainable. I'd walk away and maybe they wouldn't do what, what we had all agreed to do. But as a coach, if, I, if I'm doing my job really well and if I've selected the clients properly because I'm highly selective in who I work with, then they are becoming a certain way. So they are creating that new context around them and it, it lasts. And this is also, I, I, it sounds like I went on a tangent, but, but it wasn't. So stick with me. In a peer group, you get this as well. There's this, 
there is the, you know, these ahas that happen within the group. And as each person gets them, because it's a safe place, they'll bring others along or they'll have different stages in their business when they're applying them. And then they have something to talk about. And I remember when I first formed a peer group, and then I, I left that one and I started something else on my own. One of the things that surprised me the most was that marriage is approved. And I was like, what, what's this? How, how did that happen? And that just gives you a sense of what can happen in a period group. Did we directly talk about relationship? I mean, not really, but they came up and people are talking with each other. And it was all in that context of a safe place and how it's affecting their leadership and their business. And they grew. And I will have people coming back to me saying, Lori, you changed my life. And I know I did not change their life. Wouldn't that be nice if, if I did it on my own? I did not do it on my own. That the creating that new context for them, that peer group as, as well as maybe how I worked with them, that different context allowed them to shift which is, and I know I'm talking a, a long time, if, if, if I may, that's what I talk about in my book, is how you as a leader can create that, your role, you can't change a person, but you can change their context. And I promise you that when you spend the focused time on your role as being that context creator, it, powerful things can happen from that. I want to take a break right here. I want to come back and and have you take us a little deeper with that idea, um, and and let's let's come back and make it practical for everybody because I think this is going to be really powerful. So we're going to take a quick break. We're going to be right back with more from Lori Michelle Levitt. Hi, this is Steve. I hope you're enjoying this interview. We've got more to come in a minute, but what I'd love for you to do right now is rate this podcast. Leave us a review, rate us on iTunes. It'll really help others discover the podcast and help us help other CEOs, other business leaders become unstoppable. So if you go to unstoppableceo.net forward slash iTunes, you can find instructions there and links that will take you right to where you need to go to review the podcast. Thanks so much. Now back to the interview. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. This is Steve Gordon. And today I'm talking with Lori Michelle Levitt. And Lori, we left off talking about the idea of a leader's role as, as the, the person who sets the context. And I, I, to me, I feel like you're about to really share with us some groundbreaking stuff. And I, I, I hope you take us a little deeper um, down this line of thinking because I, I know it's going to be powerful for folks. So help us understand exactly what you mean by that. What, what would be a practical example? And, and we started off with a practical example of talking about peer groups where a leader is now in a group of peers where it's safe and they have no other agenda than helping each other. That's changing the context, the, the, the energy, the environment that they're in, and they're able to share, kind of shed that quote, persona of being the top person because everybody's the top person. And, and they also are in a now place where they know that their voice, their voice is heard, but their voice is heard in a way where people are curious about it, not just as a command. And, and so it, it shifts the context. So in your organization, 
as a leader, you know, things you say, you communicate. One, and I have a couple pet peeves. One is you and your leadership team have spent weeks, probably longer, talking about strategy, plan, et cetera. And then you communicate it once and you think everybody's going to get it and embrace it. Come on. Or worse, you translate, you hand it to finance, you translate it into budgets, and you think that is going to be inspiring. Excuse me? Have you ever seen, Steve, I'm sure you've seen a budget. Have you ever seen an inspiring budget? I don't even like to look at them. It's, you know, the things we do. (laughs) So, so this changing of context is, it's all part of part of orchestrating change. And when I say orchestrating change, it's like this continuous, it's just like what we talked about of, of growing as an entrepreneur and leader. It's, it's, it's change, but it's also, it's, it's continuous. And that's why I like to use this word orchestrating um, that you are, okay, here's, here's where we want to be as an organization, not only where we want to be financially, but how do we want to be working with each other? How, how will it be when myself as the leader likes office time? No, don't, don't discount that. If you're not liking your office time, then there's probably something even more wrong with your organization. And we, we get fearful of, of making those changes or we get complacent or lazy and, and, and don't take the time to be really consistent, consistent with our message, consistently clear um, taking the time to really explain in a way that others will understand it so that everybody's moving together. And, and you asked about context. So context is how, if I want the organization to be, to look and feel like this, then how does it need to be structured? That's the simplest start. How does it need to be structured? When we put an organization together, what do we do? We, we, pull down um, an org chart that has boxes in it that's a hierarchy. Guess what? Not all businesses have to be hierarchies. And I'm not proposing any one type is better than the other. I'm proposing that you may not have the right fit for where you want to be right now. So that's one type of context. How is communication flowing? And then the other is the social context. How are people behaving? My friend Jim Berquist, who was the coach of the Pikes Place Fish Market that helped them become the world famous Pike Place Fish Market. I mean, they have a a corner in the Pike Place Market. I mean, they haven't even changed their square footage. And who are they to decide they're gonna be world famous? (laughs) Really? Well, guess what they are? We know them as the world famous Pike Place Fish Market, not just their name, they actually are world famous. People know of them, they go to visit them, they speak in, how did they do that? Well, they didn't just do it by creating new rules. They didn't change their office space. It's just a fish market. They changed their intentions, their context of how they're being with each other. And that is probably the hugest um, improvement you can make in your organization is to orchestrate that type of an intentionally change of context. I'm, I'm sitting here thinking through this and, and trying to put myself in the 
position of someone listening to this who's running a business and and sees the vision for how this could help them, but is a little bit fuzzy on translating it into um, into the real behavior of of their people. Um, how how would you work with with that CEO with that business owner to begin to identify the the really tangible things that they would need to begin to to change to to influence the context you know particularly context around um, you know around the behavior of their team. Mm-hmm. Well, I have I use the the phrase best next steps a lot because once we create this vision one. It's okay if you don't know how on earth you're going to get there. In fact, you shouldn't know all the details of how you're going to get there. You just have an idea of this is where you want to go. And as a leader, that's, that's what you're looked to for, right? The, direct, the, the, the vision and the direction toward it. But then you're deciding your, your best next steps. And I'll give you a concrete example, um, something very recent. So I was recently working with a, a government that is finding that their police department is not, they're not treating the community the way they would want their police department to um, treat the community. Now, how do you, how do you, how do you express that to the police? Because they are law enforcement officers. And, and so where we're starting is just a simple, a simple phrase that will change, shift, how police officers officers feel about their role without saying that they're no longer enforcing the law. And just follow me with this. So rather than, and between quotes, we enforce the law, to, between quotes, we keep our community safe. We care about the community and that includes enforcing laws. So it's it's almost just like a reframing. And uh, and how did that land? I mean, how did those two land with you? If you were in that organization and you went into the organization and they were told we enforce law, that's your number one enforce the law, as opposed to if you were told we keep our community safe, and that includes enforcing these laws that were created to keep the community safe. The 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 first observation I have of that is that 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 uh, the first statement is is a an action or activity and the second is an outcome and um, you know and when when you expand it to the outcome I think it opens the possibility of creativity and and all kinds of different approaches to achieve that outcome um, and I don't know if that's where you were going with that, but that's the first thing that came to mind. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Uh, Barry Schwartz wrote a book called Why We Work. And his, um, his premise was similar. And he gives examples of, of how, well, well, his main premise is that we're still stuck in reverting to the old industrial revolution ways. Hey, if people aren't performing, then let's add a financial incentive. Let's make the work simpler. Let's add more oversight. And what he was saying is that people really will shine and step up 
when it's more purposeful, when they feel part of something. And we all kind of know this, but but as you, as you said to me when you said you were trying, it was a little fuzzy about changing the context, it's still a little fuzzy. So we all in our situations have to come up with our own more concrete um, best next steps. He gives examples of, say, janitors in a hospital where they, if they were under the the straight rule, you've got to follow this job description and you've got to follow this timeline and you sweep this hall at this time, then they wouldn't have a person who is saying, oh, wow, so-and-so's out of his room. He hasn't tried to walk in weeks. I'm not going to sweep the hall later. I'm going to let him walk up and down and then I'm going to go sweep. And which do you want in your organization? And I will say that some organizations still want, nope, sweep it at this time. And then other organizations will say, absolutely. We, we want, this is about making people better. So great to make that great judgment call to not sweep the hall yet. Does that, does this help? Yeah, completely. And, um, and to me, the value in, in getting to that, that second stage of, of how you operate in your business is that you get a business that's smarter, that, that is more nimble, can react and can think for itself so that you as the entrepreneur don't have to make all the decisions. Um, that there, there's nothing more frustrating than having stuff come back to you that other people should be able to make decisions on and, um, and, and it'll drag you down and it'll, it'll bring the business to a halt, I think. So, um, that's really what you're describing here is how, how to really align people around what you're trying to accomplish and giving them that as your primary role in leadership is, is giving them that context for why that they're, why they're there, why they're being employed, why they're part of the team, I mean, where everybody's going. And is that sort of a way to encapsulate it? It is. And now when we're talking about best next steps, it's one fear, and it's a valid one, that uh, then an employee will make changes without really understanding the whole picture, not being strategic, and cause a lot of disruption. Now, that's a real fear. And, and, I, and I'm not saying that they, you should be just having everyone disrupt when they don't have the full awareness and they're not keeping everybody involved that's going to be impacted by this change. So there's, there's absolutely nothing wrong, in fact, everything right with having a process for this. Ari Weinsweg, who owns, um, who's a co-owner of Zingerman's, which is a well-known deli, but they own um, many other businesses in Ann Arbor, Michigan. He has a process of creating change. And so people learn that process. They also, they truly are empowered. But empowerment includes if you want, if you're making, if you see a change to be made, you write down what your vision of the change is. And you go out and talk to the people that, that are going to be affected by this. And then, you know, if everybody thinks that's great, then it moves forward. And, and uh, the CEO doesn't always have to be involved. But, you're, but they're saving that. I mean, I've seen organizations where interns, say college interns, come in and decide they're going to change the whole inventory system w- without asking anybody. 
you don't want that. No, you don't. I've, I've, I've witnessed that um, in the past with our, some of our clients who have internal marketing teams and they hire interns over the summer or for a semester from college and all of a sudden, you know, disaster is, um, you know, fallen upon the business because some, the, the intern went and did something without context. Um, and so, I, yeah, I, I think to your point, having, having a process to allow that to happen makes complete sense. And it, it mitigates so much of the risk of it. Um, while at the same time, you get to tap into the power of all the smart people that you're paying. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm loving uh, all of this. This is, I think, very good stuff for for everyone to hear because we, you know, a lot of times we get wrapped up in running our businesses and we don't step back and think about how are we going to apply some of these ideas that that are there and they're in front of us and make sense, but sometimes they're difficult to both internalize and then f- figure out how to implement. So I know you've got a book coming up soon uh, that, that you're in the process of, of publishing. Um, tell us a little bit about that book and, uh, and, and how it um, builds on, on your earlier work. I will. And I'm going to say one more thing before that, just because you sparked something in me. Sure. Um, that it's, it's really exciting now that you know, talking about culture and how people are being, even though it still feels a little new to many organizations, it's okay. I grew up um, helping huge organizations go through, for example, mergers and acquisitions. And I, I was really good at it, but I had to hide the people part. I knew that I was looking at the people to see if the merger was even going to work. But that's, I had to just show them this great financial modeling and use all my financial terms because it was not okay to talk about culture. It was like, you know, save that for HR. Well, that's just ridiculous. Why do mergers and acquisitions fail? Acquisitions fail because the cultures don't mesh is, is the huge, is the biggest reason. So it's an exciting time when we can talk about how we're being at work. And I promise the leaders, if you do think about that, you will be more fulfilled in your business as well. One of the first, in my first book called The Pivot, Orchestrating Extraordinary Business Momentum, I talk about six aligned momentum key indicators. That's where you have alignment of everyone toward this common goal, and you're continuously moving. It's not stop and start, stop and start. It's momentum, aligned momentum. And the six, the first three, help you determine if you are ready, your organization is ready for brilliant execution of strategy. Your strategy can look great on paper, but if your organization can't can't get it done, it's really not that great of a strategy, right? At least not yet. So the first three are clarity, mastery mindsets, and nimble decision-making. And then the next three, I'll just finish this loop of these six, are help you identify if you're ready for a brilliant and better future. And those are strategic thinking, talent adaptability, and coaching. So my first book, my second book, is Pivot to Clarity. And clarity, in this case, is two things. One, getting clear about where you want to go, and then being clear so that the person and persons you're communicating to, and you're usually, you know, 
each person individual gets that communication and does something with it or not, how do you communicate in a way that they can truly get clear? So if you're going to that process of really understanding clarity, saying, how do I get clear? And then put yourself into someone else's shoes to say, how can I be, how can I communicate in a way that they can get clear just in the same way I got clear? Then, man, you know, where do you have issues in your organization? Communication. So this book is going is about clarity. And rather than being as instructional as a first one, it's going to be much more, um, or it is, it's much more like kind of stories and more, this is, it's a very, it's, it's really personal. So, so hopefully when, when the readers read this book, they will feel inspired to take some steps and make some changes in their life. Well, I, isn't that really the the most essential piece of getting anything done through other people or with other people is first being really, really clear about what it is that you want. And then second and important next step is communicating that clearly so that they can go and, and execute. I mean, that, that really gets pretty fundamental, right? To everything we do in business. Yes. Yeah. I, I'm looking forward to that, um, and and I hope you uh, I hope you send me a note when it's out so that I can go get a copy because um, I I know that's something I struggle with all the time and always have, and I think we all do, um, you know, particularly those of us who are wired as entrepreneurs. I, I mean, I'm just a constant stream of ideas. They come so fast I can't catch them all the time, and getting clear on them. And I've watched this as I, you know, as I've tried to describe an idea to somebody on my team who isn't wired this way. They, you know, at first they look puzzled and confused, and then their eyes glaze over because I've I've sort of beaten them into submission with this stream of consciousness of an idea, um, <laughs> and they don't have any of the context that I had, right? So I had all of the context of whatever's going on in my brain to make that up, um, and I know I'm not the only one that experiences that by the way, because I've talked to other business yeah. owners about it. Um, and I don't think it's that we employ, you know, stupid people. We employ really smart people, but they, they do need the benefit of us being clear. Us being clear, meaning in, and, and you, you've already mentioned this clear, meaning in a way that it resonates with them. So you may have to try it a bunch of different ways. You may have to ask questions. You may have to have them feed you back something. I mean, these are tactics I'm giving. Um, and this isn't just all about tactics. I mean, the first step is to care enough about the individual you're speaking to, to understand how they need to be, need to hear something and how to get through to them. I mean, when we talk about pitching, right, we're, we're learning that, we have to say things in a way that it's going to be embraced and not going to be thrown out by that monkey mind that says, don't want to know it, already know it, don't care. Um, or in the case of you're a boss talking to a, an employee, I'm fearful about it. Oh, I now I'm in blame because they want change. That means I must have done it wrong before. And all of these things keep people from truly hearing and embracing what you're trying to say. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, this is I, this is a topic we could go on for hours, uh, um, you know, and and explore all the different rabbit holes. Unfortunately, we don't have that much time because I know you're very busy. So before we wrap up, I would love for you to share with folks where they can get in touch with you, where they can find out more about the work that you're doing and find your books and those sorts of resources. Sure, I'm gonna give you two, two websites. Um, one is for the initial book called thepivotbook.com. And the other is lauriemichellelevitt.com. Perfect. And we'll link those up in the show notes so, uh, so folks can find them easily um, in case you missed it. Uh, but it's thepivotbook.com and lauriemichellelevitt.com. Lori, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, thank you for investing a little bit of time with me and uh, I've, I've really enjoyed it and, uh, and I've learned a lot. I got notes that I'm gonna have to go back over now and, and uh, try and improve our processes. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. And uh, Steve, I appreciate your work as well. Thanks for asking me to do this. This episode of the Unstoppable CEO podcast is sponsored by the Unstoppable Agency. That is the agency part of our business where we work with professional service firms and create a done-for-you marketing program. And what that looks like is we actually sit down with you. We come together and define your ideal client with you. We go build a list of those people, and then we begin reaching out to them on your behalf to book them as guests on your podcast. We call it podcast prospecting, and it's a fantastic way to connect with potential clients and influencers that can refer you. And it's end-to-end -end a done-for-you system. And so if that's something that you think might be the right fit for your business, go to our website, go to unstoppableceo.net. You can uh, find it there on the homepage a link to a video presentation that explains how it all works. And if you'd like, let's get together and have a quick 20-minute conversation and see if we're a fit. Again, that's at unstoppableceo.net right on the homepage. Look for a link to the video that explains how it all works.